Hey there, I'm Janie Budnick, the pet sitter guru and founder of Pet Biz Hive and Pet Biz MBA. The Pet Biz Hive podcast is a space for pet business owners to still get all those things done while getting some tips and business education in their ears. So pop in an earbud and get ready for the buzz. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pet Biz Hive. Now, we are in the middle of our series where we are having panels of different pet business owners at different revenue levels. Now, this week, we have a panel of business owners that their last 12, rolling 12 months of revenue is between 100,000 and 250,000. This is the perfect opportunity for you to take some notes if you are looking at getting to that level or even if you're in the middle of that level so you better understand some of the challenges that you might face at this level of business. So welcome everyone. I have Kimberly with Kimberly's Critter Care. I have Jill with Creature Comforts of Columbia, and I have Maris with House of Paws Pet Care. Welcome, guys. I'm so glad you are here with me. So what I'm going to start out doing is just take uh, one of you at a time, and I just want you to tell me a little bit about your business. Of course, where you're located. Um, did you start the business yourself, or did you purchase it? Um, and then just kind of a little bit about your structure, if you have any staff, what they do, if you have any managers or anything like that in the in the office, like admin team. So I'll start with you, Kimberly. Uh, so where are you located? I am located in Charleston, South Carolina. I started the business myself in 2016, right at the end of 16, and was solo for quite a bit. Started off hiring independent contractors, just a couple here and there, kind of as needed to help me out with holidays and stuff like that. Um, and that, I had independent contractors until 2021. In 2021, I made the decision to switch to employees, which was the best decision I ever made. And I currently have nine employees. So, wow. Yeah, once I started to go, decided to go employees, I really ramped up and kind of focused all of my energies on building the business. So that's when my revenue started increasing, you know, exponentially. So, oh, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, cool. And here's another question um, about how, like, what percentage of your own work time do you spend in the field or do you do pet care yourself anymore? I do some, but I try not to do hardly any. The most stuff I do is like in my own personal neighborhood and things like that that are really close or just some of my favorite pets here and there. But And then I'm kind of a backup if needed, but I try not to schedule myself much at all. So maybe, you know, five to 10% at most. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty great transi transition. I mean, a real big leap point where you can say, I am only kind of like the emergency backup person, right? Yes. Yes. And I want to get somebody else to be that emergency backup eventually. That's my goal. <laughs> Layers. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, Maris, how about you next? Um, so I started pet sitting in high school. Um, so I guess back in like 2012. Jeez. <laughs> and it was just a very part-time thing for me. And then after the pandemic, like most people, I was just kind of sick of working for other people. Um, so we closed on our house and went full-time. And I started hiring in, I guess that was 
21, about June of 21. And we now have seven employees. Um, I have one office manager who helps me do scheduling and other admin things that I don't want to do. <laughs> and she's kind of my backup person. Um, so yeah, she's really kind of helped me push the business to be more of a business and not just me doing everything. Yes. So the beauty of that, uh, tell everyone where you are right now. Oh, well, right now I'm in Florida, um, but my business is based in St. Louis. So Janie and I are actually basically neighbors. We're not too terribly far from each other. <laughs> um, but I'm in Florida farm sitting for one of my clients that moved. Uh, she flies me out here a couple times a year to take care of her horses and dogs. And this time I got lucky enough to bring my fiance. So that's like a little mini vacation because my birthday is on Sunday. So <laughs> uh, oh, happy birthday early. That's so exciting. Yeah, so that, that's a big transition, of course, showing that you do have someone that can take care of the business while you are gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, that same question, how, like what percentage of your business time do you actually do any of the direct pet care? I would say not counting your travel pet care. Yeah. So in person, like actually going and doing visits, I probably am in the field maybe like three days a week for like one or two visits. And that's only because we have a few special cases that are like near and dear to my heart, just reactive and need a lot of work that are maybe a little bit too much for like the average pet sitter. Um, I'm putting air quotes in that for the podcasters who can't see that. <laughs> yeah, we do have our own video going on here and she's obviously out by a pool right now, I think in the background. So yes, Florida and their pools. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, Jill, I'm going to hit you next. So fill us in on your business there and uh, about your staff and how much time you spend in the field. Yeah. So um, we are located in Columbia, Missouri, and I started um, the business full-time in 2013, um, actually May. So this is our 10-year anniversary month. Uh, prior to that, I had done it um, kind of as a side hustle while I was working at a, um, a vet office, going to school here um, to get a degree in animal science. Um, so I've been doing pet sitting since about 2007, but the business has been full-time since 2013. And in 2019, I added employees, and we currently have seven employees. I have yet to give up um, some of my admin control, so I'm still doing the majority, well, all of the admin things. Um, I try not to be in the field at all because I have two little ones, but occasionally um, myself or my husband have to go out to do, um, you know, one to five visits a week. So really just the emergency coverage? Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. We're still, it's, you know, as soon as I feel like I get caught up on staff, someone moves away. So um, we're, <laughs> it's, it's really um, kind of back and forth on that. So we're, we're trying to get there. Uh, and I have some employees who are good candidates for admin help, um, but I really need them in the field right now. So Oh, yeah, I totally get that. And that's, you know, its own layer of challenge doing it with little kids, you know, for all of those mm -hmm. that are listening that have littles. It's tough that you have, you know, built up that employee level also where you can at least get some of that coverage. I know that's one of the biggest challenges I see with people who are getting started is that the level where you're still doing so much of it yourself and trying to figure out how you're going to balance raising a, a family at the same time. Um, when you were, of course, your, let's see, how old are your babies? 
my daughter is two and my son who is in the background here is four months old. Um, and so that is the reason that I started hiring employees in 2019 because I knew we were trying uh, and I'm not comfortable uh, taking, I knew I wasn't gonna wanna take my kids to, to visits. That wasn't an option for me. So um, I wanted to have that <clears throat> employees in place prior to getting pregnant. Um, that took a couple of years, but um, now we have two babies and um, lots of employees seven employees that's yeah. pretty amazing. yeah especially mm -hmm. because you only have to do emergencies and you and your husband can kind of mm -hmm. trade off on that yeah I, that's yeah. it's an entire separate podcast on you know how to run how to run your business with babies um so many <laughs> of us have well i mean i would have said i had but now i've got another one but you know i've had 21 years of running a actually longer because my stepdaughter when i first started the business she was five years old and, um, you know, back then it was probably a little bit more accepted and um, of less options, but she went with me to a lot of visits. So, you know, of course, I don't allow my employees to do that. Um, <laughs> not that it's a double standard or anything. It's just, you know, learn better, do better. So uh, really, um, I, I feel for mamas that are out there building their businesses because I've had to go through nearly every phase of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Did, like as you were leading up to, um, well, I mean, you've got two pretty, pretty back to back. So mm -hmm. when you were leading up to that, is there like any top tip that you can give anyone who's kind of in that same circumstance of looking at starting their family? Um, well, I guess my biggest, uh, regret or thought is to, um, don't put it off. Uh, I feel like, I, we did so long because I felt like that, you know, I didn't, this was our primary income or our only income for our, for both of us um, until 2020. My husband um, now is a real estate agent, but prior to that, it was our only income. So I felt that if I were to get pregnant and have a baby, then I wouldn't be able to work. And that would really affect our, our total um, income and, so we put it off for quite a while until I was um, almost uh, too old or. Um, well, I, you know, I can tell you there's no, no such thing as too old. That's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, anyway, so we just put it off too long for me personally. And um, we that's our only regret is we wish we had done it sooner. So I don't let your your job get in the way of um, of your family if that's your your desire. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people do hold back on that because of the income, which in your situation, it sounds like you just had to just go completely into it and you were able to hire in and grow as you hired. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and then throw a pandemic in there. Uh, yeah. And we started out 2020 uh, in February my husband broke his ankle walking, a dog fell on ice. Um, so that was how our 2020 started and then the pandemic. And then um, I got pregnant in March. So, um, you know, it was a very scary year, uh, but we made it and then have just continued to grow ever since then. That's awesome. Pretty cool. Well, good. Um, okay. So got another question. I'm going to have a start here with Maris. So 
what what right now is the biggest project that you are working on? What do you see in your business is the biggest thing that like is going to move the needle forward that you're actively working on? Not not you're like, I wish someday board because mine is massive. But what are you actively working on in your business right now? Um, so right now I'm really working on writing down the SOPs. Um, I'm really good at making SOPs, but not writing them down so I can literally hand them to someone and mm -hmm. have someone else do it. So hiring my office manager really pushed me to do that. Um, cause I was like, okay, well, this is how we run payroll and you can show someone how to do that all day long. But with all the different situations that come up with like mileage reimbursement and tips and stuff like that, um, she's really pushed me to use things like Coda and Loom to record me doing things and have it really easy to access. That way, if she's got a question, she can really pull it up. And if she can't figure it out then, then she reaches out to me. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's good. So she's a bit of a self-starter encouraging you and holding you accountable. Yeah, that's so nice. Telling me, what else can I help you with? What can I help you with? And for so long, I was like, oh, I can just take care of it because it doesn't take me too long. But as I go out and I go travel to other people to go pet sit for them, it's not always doable. Um, like payroll's got a deadline. And if I'm traveling or somewhere else and God forbid there's a time change and I might just forget about it, it's nice to have someone else that's there. Um, I think you actually had a podcast recently about how like if something were to happen to you, how would you run your business? And that is what really pushed me to start writing everything down because in the end, most of the things like scheduling, especially only I can really do. So I'm trying to create it to become more of a process that I could hand off to someone else and do in case something were to happen to me. Cause I do a lot of, I ride horses. It's pretty reckless into the day. So something could happen and, <laughs> and oh, I don't I want know. everything I work for to go to nothing because it does support my whole family and other families. So it's important for me and for them to be able to pass this off to someone else if need be. Yeah, that was, you know, that was a, something I always talk about is making sure that you're prepared. But, you know, when you have something like that, that happens in your family with, you know, my brother-in-law dying and having nothing, nothing handled, not knowing anything whatsoever, it just brought back to mind that, wow, you know, I, I need to level up myself too. But, you know, I love that that's kind of taking you to the point where you realize you need to have all of that down because everyone does. And it, like you said, with the tech that we have available, I don't know Coda, but I use Loom a lot. And I just have a, a Google Doc for my SOPs. Those of you that don't know what that is, that's standard operating procedures. Um, that is really just the how you do everything um, in your business. You know, you're going to have one section that's going to be how you want the work to be done out in the field, how you actually want the pets taken care of and those processes. And then the all over SOPs are really the things that you're doing in the office. Like she said, how you do payroll, how, you know, how you are, oh my goodness, in our case, how you onboard employees. Uh, mm -hmm. It can be a pretty lengthy document whenever you get it done. And then once you think you have it done, something kind of changes. <laughs> so it is an ever evolving document. But the main thing, like you said, is getting it down on paper or on video in case something happens to you. Yeah, so the most basic is... ones. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The most basic ones I did were just for my sitters, like how to do a dog walk, how to do a mm -hmm. pet sit, um, things like that, like closing the garage door behind you before you enter the house. Little things that I knew how to do, but I knew that if I just left it to someone else to go do a visit, they wouldn't think of because they hadn't gone through that problem before. 
Um, so like all the little things that you think are small that might be common sense to you is probably not to someone else that's ever done this before. So literally writing everything out so you can hand it to someone and they know exactly what to do. That was the best thing I ever did just for my, just for my employees, not even getting into the admin side of it. Yeah, that is totally true. Um, and that's why I, I find for myself and, um, and I know Doug Keeling has mentioned that that this is one of the ways that he does things is just talking into a, a voice recorder. Um, I I talk or I do, I guess, voice to text in my notes and my iPhone. And then I forward that to, you know, through email and drop it in a Word document and edit that. And that's the way that I do most of my you know creation these days. And, uh, you know, I find that when I'm out moving and doing things and I say it the second it pops into my mind, it's going to catch things like, oh, yeah, make sure you close that garage door because, you know, 10 years ago I didn't and a dog bolted past me. And if I'd had the garage door closed, then the dog wouldn't have been able to run off. You know, mm -hmm. all of those little tiny things that have happened in the past or, you know, even if something does happen, oh, I need to add that to my SOPs and knock it into a little ongoing uh, voice memo to yourself or something like that. So a lot of ways that you can capture that information without literally sitting down at the computer and like staring at a blank page to try to figure out where to get started. And it's always going to change too. It's not going to be the same week to week, day to day. You're always going to find yourself adding things. And it might be like a three page long thing just for a dog sit, which mine is right now. But I know that my sitters know how to handle everything that comes at them. Well, most everything, something crazy always happens at some point, <laughs> always, <laughs> but they don't have always. to go through it themselves. They can just kind of know that that's something, that's a procedure or policy that we have in place already. So they don't have mm -hmm. to think about it too much. Right. Yeah. Try Try to make most of those decisions because yes, common sense is not common. <laughs> I don't know why it's called common sense because, you know, I, I, yeah, that's what we've realized in our office too. So um, I guess just a little, little extra interesting thing that I thought I would add, um, if, if you guys don't mind sharing what, what generation you are in. So Maris, um, I don't really like to say what age range are you? What, what gen are you? Um, I'm technically Gen Z, but I consider myself more of a millennial. <laughs> I'm like well, right on that cusp. So yeah, right and, and that's and a really hard relate. place. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a tough place to be. Yeah, I don't think I relate to any one per se. I'm definitely right smack in the middle of both of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> and definitely a go getter. That is awesome. <laughs> okay, sending that same question over to you, Jill. What what's like the biggest biggest thing you're trying to get accomplished in the business right now? So this year, I've really been focusing on, um, you know, as I mentioned, staffing seems to always be an issue, um, even though I have a great team and have always had a great team. Um, my girls seem to be here for six, nine months, and then um, everyone who's left in the last year has moved out of state. So I think that's pretty good uh, as far as my staff retention. Um, because they're not leaving for other reasons other than just pursuing their own life, um, life dreams or whatever. But um, I've really found that the pet sitting aspect, especially dog sitting, has been difficult to staff. And where I'm finding that I have to step in more often for evenings and weekends, which of course um, I don't enjoy doing with my family. Um, I don't like taking time away from that. So I've tried to transition over to primarily dog walking and cat vacation care. 
And uh, as of, um, I just looked at my April stats and April, I was 62% dog walking and like 13% of my pet sitting was cat specific pet sitting. So that's over 80% um, of what my goal of our business is. So uh, that seems to be a pretty good ratio for um, that allows my staff, my scheduling to work well with, with the staff we have. And um, just to kind of help reach my, my business goals uh, and allow staff to have a good work-life balance. Uh, I think that's important. And uh, I know personally when we were working in the business solo or even when I was still in the field before I had babies, we just worked ourselves to death. And mm -hmm. now that I have staff, it's so much easier for me to put up boundaries uh, for my staff than it was for myself. You know, I'll tell all yeah. you know, I have no problem telling here. someone no. Yeah. Um, I have no problems telling a client, you know, that I don't have anyone available. Uh, but when it was just myself, I felt really guilty and I felt the need to say yes or, um, you know, to cancel whatever we had going on just to, to cover. And um, it's funny, once you put up that boundary and, and say no, you realize that you're not the only option. Clients can find other people or, uh, or arrange their own um, plans so that they can care for their animals. Um, but we're not the end all be all and, and we shouldn't, um, work ourselves to death for that. But, um, back to the question, you know, I think my, my plans for this year, uh, are the, to focus on the dog walking and cat sitting, which I'm doing. I'm a, a part of the, um, Michelle Klein's dog co launch, um, group as well the, to help grow the dog walking. And actually this morning I just sent a, Mess or uh, time to pet email blast out to all of our um, clients announcing our 10 year anniversary and announcing two new services. Uh, one being our two hour um, dog adventure service, and another uh, one of my newer team members, she is a professional photographer. So I talked to her about adding pet photography just as part of our <clears throat> services. Um, so I listed that as well in the email and um, the dog walking has, I've already received like five inquiries from clients. Um, some of ones that I kind of had in mind and expected them to be interested in it. And then other ones, I really had no idea that they would be interested and we don't even see their dogs very often. So oh, it's pretty cool really? to see that feedback. Yeah. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Um, that is a pretty cool transition. Is that because I know you said you're having some challenges just with staffing in general. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, do you see that you'll kind of be able to maintain and grow really with the employees that you have once you take away the pressure of basically evening and weekend dogs, travel dogs? Yeah, for sure. Uh, for um, It's always been easiest for me to staff that midday dog walking route. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it'll be easy to add on new sitters I have or new walkers, um, because it's easier to give them at least an expectation of the hours that they could potentially work and letting them know up front that I don't have a lot of business starting off. But once I have someone in that position and I know their availability, then I grow and, uh, promote 
our openings uh, to fill their slots. So they kind of start off slow and grow. Uh, I used to just kind of build up a route on my own when I was in the field. I would take on clients, and then as soon as I got kind of a full roster, then I would hire for that route and and start over again. Um, but now I kind of have to do it more <clears throat> organically um, with the sitter, the walkers starting off with a lower, um, a smaller schedule. Yeah, staying but, ahead, making yeah. sure they understand that it's a growth position. For sure. Um, you know, and I have a few sitters who like the extra. Um, I have one person who used to be my like a primary worker and then she took off. Um, she moved back to St. Peter's um, to be with family for like a semester. And then now she's back here going to school. So her availability has really changed and she just really wants to work um, like weekends. And so right now she's helped fill that um, vacation care on the weekends. And, um, and then I have a few other of my dog walkers who can, who are cool with doing like one weekend a month, but they just don't want, you know, every weekend. Um, especially yeah. it makes it difficult when I have them a regular Monday through Friday schedule, it makes it more difficult to give them days off in the week in order for them to take on weekend work. So, um, Absolutely. <laughs> Well, and you, you know, I mean, I guess weekend work will get easier when it's cats only. Do you have yeah. like a, a day that you're planning on pulling the trigger to switch your business over since you are close to that 80, which really yeah. does look like that good transition point? Right. So I don't, uh, I'm, I'm thinking in my head um, probably by October um, last year because my baby was due um well, he was due January 3rd, but my doctor wanted to induce me the week between Christmas and New Year's, which is, you know, a terrible week for a pet sitter to have a baby. But um, so I knew last year that I needed to have a plan uh, for like worst case scenario um, because I was going to be super pregnant at that time anyways, even if I wasn't having a baby. Uh, I wouldn't be able to just step in over the holiday if something went sideways. So mm -hmm. last year <clears throat> I announced in advance that from December 15th to January 15th, we would be doing no dog vacation care, only our regular dog walking and cat vacation care. Um, because if something happened to a sitter, I knew that it would be easy to slide another sitter in for cat sitting um, and it wouldn't be a problem. Uh, and literally everything um, that could go wrong went wrong in December. And uh -huh. <laughs> um, you know, I had a staff member's mother pass away very unexpectedly on December 15th. So she was out for a month. Um, and <clears throat> I got COVID, um, right before Christmas. Uh, and so we wouldn't have been able to step in really, uh, mm -hmm. you know, my whole house got COVID. We really weren't that sick, but, uh, I was still nine months pregnant. So, um, it was all, oh, and then, uh, you Missourians will remember the um, terrible storms we had at Christmas time, the really cold and snowy <clears throat> uh, blizzard warning. It ended up not being that bad, but a lot of people canceled and it was just a hot mess. So um, kind of trialing cat only vacation care during that busy period uh, was a good run. And obviously my dog sitting clients found other care for their pets over that time. They had plenty of notice. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, 
Um, we still had a pretty good month. It certainly wasn't as good as it would have been if we had our three or four times a day dog vacation care, but I also wouldn't have been able to manage emergencies um, right. if we were all booked out. So well, that's good because, like you said, you've already kind of primed them for that. And October mm -hmm. is a great time to notify them that that's a service you're removing. Right. Like Thanksgiving people enough time, holiday mm. people enough time. So, yeah, I'll uh, I'll definitely be keeping up with you on that to see how you're progressing <laughs> towards that goal. Because yeah, that's, thanks. I mean, if it's not that, then you got to wait till January. So I like the sound of October. For sure. Yeah. Easy fourth quarter, right? Yes. And we had, um, I actually have not accepted new dog vacation clients since last summer. So they've kind of, you know, dwindled off on their own if people move or pets age um, or they found other care over the holidays that they ended up sticking with, which is fine. Um, so I think it's kind of slowly dwindled on its own uh, organically since I haven't added new clients. Um, so I don't think it'll be a big surprise to anyone. Mm, well, that is definitely a big project to work on. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job with the progress on that. Those are great numbers. Thank you. All right, Kimberly, I'll ask you that same question. What is your big project right now? So similar to Jill, but not completely. Um, I'm definitely more focused on getting daily dog walking clients. Um, we've recently lost several just due to one lady, um, her financial situation changed and then somebody else moved. So I'm just really trying to get that back up, you know, or even higher than it used to be, because like Jill mentioned, it's so much easier, I think, to staff when you have not guaranteed work, but it's a lot more guaranteed than pet sitting, obviously, because a lot of the people I've been interviewing lately um, have been like, well, yeah, I, I want a certain number of hours every week and all that. And I just can't give them that if it's just for weekend and night pet sitting. So, um, so I think that's, and, and plus that's, you know, more of a guaranteed income for the business too. Um, mm -hmm. have that steady stream of income coming in. So that's my big focus. Um, I too have listened to um, yours and Michelle Klein's, um, you know, podcasts and different things and kind of learned from that um, different ways to market and so forth. And I'm definitely going after more of the clients in the medical industry. Um, I kind of wanted to do that before, but now hearing her talk about how she did it, that's kind of helped me um, to hopefully get more of those clients on board. Um, we still are doing pet sitting though, although I would like to eventually, but on probably years out, go just cat sitting, but, um, that's something to work towards. But yeah, my big focus is primarily the, uh, the dog walking. And then one other, I know you said one project, but just one other little side thing that I'm adding on that I just did one last year was a wedding, um, to okay. have the dogs in the wedding. So that's kind of another little side project that I'm working on for this year. Cause Charleston is a huge, uh, wedding area you know even Ooh. a lot of people have destination weddings here so the one i did last year the people were from florida and they came here to get married so um so that was kind of fun something different so working on both of those primarily that's good i like that and so what is your percent percentage right now on daily dog walking out of total revenue like how Ooh. close are you that's a really good question. Unfortunately, I don't have the answer off the top of my head. Um, I would say I'm not nearly where I need to be. I would say it's probably 35 to 40% dog yeah. walking right now. So I would love to be more like, you know, 60, 70% if I can yeah, get to that. That would make a big difference. Yeah. That's cool. So future though, possibly cats only as you grow. Well, that's good. Correct. Correct. Wonderful. Um, 
Well, let's see. I'm going to rotate over here to Jill and start with you. What has been your biggest win recently? The biggest um, thing that you're like the most proud of. I mean, like in the last year, that's really seemed like it's changed your business in the right direction. Um, right now, my biggest win, I think, is like getting through each week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all relate on that, right? Yeah. Uh, I, and I realized I forgot to answer your second part of your earlier question. Um, I am an elder millennial. Um, oh, elder. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> elder millennial. <laughs> um, so I guess my biggest win is, um, well, making that that big decision in, last year um, for the winter holidays to completely cut out uh, the availability of dog vacation care um, in December and um, <clears throat> just kind of taking, I don't know, steps towards uh, getting rid of the dog vacation care and um, saying no uh, to clients uh, because that is, that is hard. Um, yeah. I think, you know, from the first time that I talked to you, just the, the transition and the mind shift that you've already made to, you know, you know, being in the everything and, and burnout to, mm -hmm. you know, no longer taking in new vacation and then to, you know, being able to say not doing it during this time and now getting to make that decision of, you know, cutting out all of the vacation dog care. So I'd consider that to be a win because you knew you had to do something different and this yes. will definitely transform your, your business and your personal life with those little bits that I hear in the background cooing, <laughs> yes. not going to sleep yet, not but, going to sleep, No, but I love the sound. <laughs> um, yeah. And I am. I guess a win or I don't know if it's a win, but something I'm looking forward to is um, planning our 10 year anniversary party. Uh, I've been, I've, I mean, I don't even know what half of my clients look like because I've only <laughs> met them once. <laughs> so um, we're excited and um, to have that. Uh, and so people can come meet the sitters and kind of be more interactive with our clients. Um, so that's Gosh, exciting. that'll be awesome. I'm excited to find out what you plan mm -hmm. for that. You'll have to share it in the group. Yeah, I will. Yeah, that's cool. So what about you, Kimberly? What, what's what been your biggest win in so, recent months? Yeah. Um, well, first, I'll go back to your other question. Like uh, Jill answered, I'm a Gen Xer, so I'm definitely Sorry, elder. I shouldn't go woot, but I'm wooting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I guess my biggest win is just you know, I think it's been a little bit further than a year back, but when I really started to refocus on my business for so long, I just kind of was coasting along and just kind of doing what I needed to do to get by. But mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic, or actually, I guess after the pandemic was almost over, so like in 2021 is when I really kind of started refocusing on the business and really trying to build it because I wasn't really marketing at all prior to that. Um, I wasn't really hiring. I was just kind of, it was me and what I see and we were just doing all the work when it came in and it was just like, okay, if somebody wants me to do a job, I'll do it. Um, but once I really started focusing on it and, you know, deciding that I really wanted to make this work 
um, and be a full-time income and, you know, be able to pay my bills from this job, then everything really started falling into place. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, that first year, well, I started in the late of 2021 with that. So, um, the, the next, no, actually 2020, sorry. So 2021, my revenue went up a little bit. Um, I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but I would say it went up probably about 20, 25% from the year prior, which was a big win for me. But then this last year in 2022, I had set a personal goal for myself um, to become a six-figure business because prior to that, I had never been even close to six figures. So I did meet that and exceeded it by about 20 some percent. So I was very proud of that. Um, and then this year, you know, just increasing that quite a bit more. So I guess just my win is just my personal refocusing on the business and just trying to make it work for me and for my staff now. So, well, yeah. And obviously from our recent poll, 46%, did I say it right this time? 46% growth first quarter of this year over last year. I mean, the proof's in the pudding on that. Clearly you are refocusing on that. So huge win, 46% for first quarter, huge win. (laughs) <laughs> that is awesome. Love it. What that's due to your encouragement, Janie. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, I'm like light a fire under people. Keep it going. Absolutely. You know, it's because as you were talking about that, I'm like, wow. When when did I transition? Um, I didn't transition into this range of 100 to 250, um, or transition out of it until 2016. Okay. So I was in the 100 to 250 range. 2013 through 2016. So okay. I I sat in that area for for several years myself. But that was honestly um probably 2017 because I had really flat revenue 16 to 17. Hmm. Um I just really reinvested, refocused on my own business. Yes. And that makes a huge difference when, you know, you're getting the right resources and you have the right mindset to to really grow your business. And that, you know, what I've noticed really about the 100 to 250 range, there are a lot of systemic decisions that you have to make in your pet business, like bringing on other people. How do we learn how to manage people? So to me, this is one of the most exciting phases because you're Mm -hmm. making so many of these really big decisions and they're decisions that um, kind of make your heart race a little bit sometimes. (laughs) as you're figuring out what to do, because it does dramatically change. And and when you start to be like, dang, I really own a business, right? Yes. (laughs) It's not just that I'm not doing things on my own. Like I have employees, I have payroll, I have people that depend on me. Um, It's, it's a pretty significant difference. That's awesome. So, Hey Maris, what has been your biggest win? Um, gosh, it sounds so simple compared to you guys, but, um, learning to say no and setting those boundaries, um, for me for a long time. Yeah. Especially when I was really bringing on employees, I was taking every client, no matter what they needed, how often they needed it, we were doing it. And it's taken a lot for me to just tell clients, no, if we just don't have availability, I'm not going to harass my employees to pick up visits if they don't want to, I'm not going to do them. <laughs> yeah. And like uh, clients really pushing back on things that we established, like, like time blocks, like especially that midday time block where everyone wants right at noon and mm-hmm. really telling people we don't guarantee any arrival times. It's been a really big one recently. 
um, last minute booking fees, cancellation fees, just really sticking to the policies that I put in place because that's what keeps the business going. That was so hard for me. I Every sob story you can give me or even just no reason at all. I just wanted to cancel. I wasn't charging for it for the longest time. And when I ran the numbers and realized that we lost over $50,000 in cancellations, I was like, we can't, I can't do this anymore. So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's just not predictable whenever you're bringing in employees either. No. And I also kind of realized, okay, if we cancel and the employee doesn't work, that's still money that I get to pocket. And so that's great for the business too, on top of that. So we definitely could have done, done a lot of things with that extra income that we lost. Yeah. Um, so I think like really getting the numbers down and learning how to use those numbers to make business decisions and then sticking to it has been my biggest win in the last year. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you say, oh, it sounds so simple, but we have to keep it all in perspective. You just went full time in 2021. So, mm -hmm. you know, out of the three of you, you've been doing this for the shortest period of time. And I bet you everybody else would also say, yes, it's been a challenge to learn how and when to say no. We all have to go through that. So mm -hmm. you... Well, from my perspective, you went through it way faster than I did. <laughs> so that is, you know, that is definitely a, a kudos to who you are actually studying business and understanding that is a decision that you had to make, that you had to set those boundaries if you were going to grow and move forward. Well, and I feel like, especially in the last year, there's been so many resources that have popped up for pet sitters, so many people you can talk to and I mean, oh my I gosh, can't even there's a new growing. group every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, and growing a business 10 years ago, you didn't have, I mean, you could network on Facebook, but not how you can now. Like, I feel like I know so many people all around the U.S. even that are just pet sitters. And that's why the conferences are really cool to me. Because like, I talk to you all the time on Facebook and I get to see you in person. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. And you like feel like you have this wonderful bonded relationship and you're all huggy. And, uh, <laughs> and I love that. It's like, I've never seen you before, but give me a big hug. <laughs> oh, conferences are amazing. Definitely. Um, let's see. Well, let me, uh, let me get started here. I think we're back to you, Kimberly, right? Um, okay. Is there anything significant that, um, that you've done while you've had your business that you wish you had done differently? I guess, well, kind of twofold, like in my, my biggest win with being more focused on the business, I think, you know, in the beginning to me, I, I used to be in the corporate world. I was a project manager and I made really good money and I left that and I was like, well, you know, if I can make about 12,000 a year, I'll be happy in this job and just doing it as a, not a side gig. It was the only thing I was doing, but you know, I just didn't really think it was going to be a big business. So I wish in the beginning, I guess, that I had really put more effort into it and really tried to build it, um, you know, and focus on it as a business, not just as something fun for me to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I probably would have done things differently in the beginning um, had I, if I knew what I knew now. And like Maris mentioned, there's so many resources now too that we can go to. So anybody who's starting out now is like way, you know, miles ahead of where we started. So there's just so many places that they can go to get resources and help them get started. So that's one thing I wish I would have just put more effort into it rather than just, you know, going and having fun walking dogs and playing with kitties. Um, 
And then also, I wish I had started with employees rather than ICs. Mm. Um, definitely, if I knew what I knew now, I would I would never go the IC route. But you know, it's all said and done, and and I am no worse for the wear. I've never had to go through an audit or anything, thank goodness. But hearing the horror stories that some people have, um, it's definitely not worth doing the ICs. The employees are where it's at because you can you know train them and have them do things your way, you know. And so, yeah, I guess that's my biggest lesson. Yeah. Two lessons. Well, since you're, you know, one, one here that has had ICs before, um, is there any like significant uh, tip or suggestion you can give people that are considering switching or even that are considering having someone work with them and are trying to figure out if it's supposed to be ICs or employees? Gosh. I mean, I think for me, you know, when I first started, ever the industry was still kind of geared towards ICs. So that's just the way I thought you did it. So I didn't really put much thought into it. And then I spoke with several people, you included Janie, um, who told me about, you know, the reason you should have employees and like gave me some material to read and, and some cases and stuff like that. And then I just was terrified about, you know, possibly being audited and the fact that you you know, you can't train them, you you can't set their schedule, you really have no control. I mean, basically, they own their own business. And you just say, here, you take these clients and you do with what you want with them, basically. So, you know, I think just having that knowledge and, and the, the tip, I guess, is, you know, a lot of people think it's going to be difficult to switch over, but it's really not that difficult, especially I paid per visit, for ICs. I didn't do a percentage, which I know a lot of people start out that way, which I never mm-hmm. recommend a percentage of pay, whether it's employee, IC, whomever. Um, but anyway, I started out per visit. So I kind of did that same thing. So I only had one IC when I transitioned and I just talked to her about it. You know, and I said, you know, you're still going to be making the same amount of money. You're just not going to see as much in your check because it's going to have taxes taken out. So, you know, she was good with it. So it was a fairly easy transition for me with having only the one and, and I was already paying per visit. So it wasn't that much of a difference, you know, for her. And I know um, some people do pay hourly. I still pay per visit with my employees and I also reimburse mileage. So ended up, you know, she got almost the same because I was reimbursing the mileage too. And then she didn't have to pay out a lot of tax time. So she was happy. And then every new employee, every new person I hired from that point was employee. So it was, it was fairly easy for me. And I guess the biggest thing is just, you know, get a good accountant and a good payroll company to help you with all that. There you go. Yeah. And I know, um, you know, you had one and when I transitioned, I'm trying to think, I don't know, I probably had maybe six or seven ICs. Um, But yeah, you brought up a point that I usually tell people to do right away when I chat with them is get off of percentage. Yes. Whether you are, you know, use independent contractors or employees, the first big step is getting off of percentage. That's huge. I think I even have a podcast on that too. I guess I'll Mm -hmm. list all the podcasts that that we're kind of referencing so people can go back and listen if they're interested to those. Yes. Maris, what about you? So going back to learning how to say no, um, starting (laughs) out, I said I would do anything for anyone. We did poo pickups. Um, A big part of our business when we first started was boarding and daycare in our home. And so that if I could start back over and redo everything, I would have not even started daycare and boarding. Um, 
Don't get me wrong. It was really, really good money. Um, but you, I was never off of work. I'd have dogs in my house. <laughs> Whenever I come off of, get off of work, I have to coordinate pickups and drop-offs. Um, luckily, that's what was able to push my fiance to go full-time with us too. So he really ran that daycare and boarding. But um, October of last year, we stopped taking new dog clients in because um, I was just ready to be over it. <laughs> yes. Especially going into the holidays because we just got so many people, so many inquiries and um, I had to start telling our clients to stop referring us out for daycare and boarding, which. <laughs> well, cause um, I always referred you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, it was just, if I could go back and not do that, I totally would. Cause we still like, we don't have it listed anywhere on our website, but we still get tons of inquiries for it. And I have another sitter that I send them out to for that now. And it keeps her busy and that's what she wants to focus on. So good for her. She can do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I would have really pushed my marketing in a different way because of that. Um, just to kind of get those daily dog walks going a lot sooner than I did. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And kind of whenever you started, um, you know, you were dealing with a lot of the pandemic high anxiety dogs. I noticed just yes. how much that changed. Um, yeah. We, we stopped taking in new ones here. I have actually have a little puppy who finally got quiet in the other room. Oh my goodness, a little Boykin Spaniel that is adorable, but is a little anxious. So um, yeah, um, but yes, that's, that is such a big point is just not being able to leave work. It follows you, literally follows you everywhere mm -hmm. <laughs> into the kitchen, chewing on your ankles with those puppy teeth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and they would be markers no matter what. And my dogs, my personal dogs, I mean, they're five and six, so they aren't old, but they're definitely getting older. And I feel like right at that age, especially when we started, they were turning like three and four. Um, so that's that age where they really establish who they are. And my male dog just doesn't like other male dogs. So how yeah. I can't, people don't, people, there's a lot of people that own dogs. There's not a lot of dog people though. It's like one of my biggest things where they don't understand dog body language, anything like that. And trying to explain that to people who have an aggressive dog, but think it's not aggression. And I'm not putting myself or my personal dogs through that. It's just, yeah, I would have established that boundary a lot sooner, especially not out of my home. <laughs> yeah. That's a good suggestion. I know a lot of people that's something that they took on during the pandemic is the homeboarding because of the rush of people who, did have pets that had higher anxiety and such, mm -hmm. but yeah, now I've got to find somebody else to refer to. Right. Mm -hmm. I have someone for you. I'll send oh, it to good. You. We'll <laughs> chat about that as long as it tends. Right. Yes. Yes, yes. Awesome. Well, Jill, how about you? What, what would you have done differently? She's still on mute. Sorry. Uh, I left the sleeping baby in the other room, so I didn't wake him up. Uh, <laughs> I I probably would have hired employees sooner um, and gotten software sooner. Um, I got time to pet uh, because I knew there was no way that I could um, figure out how to manage people and schedules um, without a software. Um, so I got time to pet about a year before we added our first employee um, so in 2018, we got time to pet, and um, I didn't realize how much of my time that that would free up just from client communication aspect, scheduling, um, the angst of worrying whether or not I missed a, um, a client's reservation or didn't put it in right, because um, I might not, 
I, I just literally put everything in my phone and then had a paper calendar. But I was, I always just had this like worry that I, I told someone yes and then forgot to write it down, even though my pol or my, like my own personal policy was to not say yes until I put it in my calendar. Um, but the software really just relieved a lot of anxiety that I had around missing visits um, or, you know, just not getting a reservation in properly. Um, it also <clears throat> freed up my, uh, or, you know, streamlined invoicing and uh, really everything that it does. It was just uh, truly amazing. So I would have done that uh, much sooner. Uh, I remember whenever I was solo and I don't even know what the price was when I was starting out, but I, I'm not sure why I thought like $35 a month was a lot, <laughs> but, right. uh, you know, but then I realized how invaluable it was and how much time it saved me. And I was like, Oh, I would, I would pay anything for this now. Um, you know, I wouldn't be able to run my business without it. So definitely getting software sooner and then adding employees sooner. Um, those yeah. kind of went hand in hand for, for me. Um, cause I needed one before the other. I knew that about myself. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, that is a really odd conversation. I think that people have is that, you know, I can't afford software. It's too expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I ran from 97 to 2005 on paper. So, you know, that was a time when I had ICs, I had, you know, up to 10, probably at any mm -hmm. one point, all on paper <laughs> calendar, which was a little crazy. You know, I'd send mm -hmm. out these little um, cute postcards that I got from Smart Practice or something like that, where I, you know, I had it designed that you're leaving on this day with this visit and coming back this day with this visit and we're coming three times a day or whatever. And here's your total. So it doubled as an invoice. <laughs> And I look back on that, like in horror, you know, I still have copies of it. I literally mailed to people's addresses when they were going to be out of town. And people talk about taking magnets off of your car right. when you go to your house, right? How like absolutely ignorant is that? So yeah, I will throw myself under the bus all the time. But I mean, that's, that's what I had decided to do. And then, you know, save on postage and use a postcard stamp right. instead. Oh, I'll have to show you guys that sometime. You know, anytime I open <laughs> my old folder and look at my old stuff, it's, it's pretty amazing. But then I got my first software in 2005 because I had the same like feeling that you did. I think you've kind of put words to it. I probably just lived in anxiety for that seven years of what if I forget something? Because yeah. there were times that I did. And that's horrible. Um, and, you know, I know other business owners who have had something that they've messed up on themselves as they've been growing. There's nothing like that kind of a gut punch whenever you're marketing yourself to people, you know, right. as who you are and the reliable service you are, and then you drop the ball on something, but, um, you know, you, you give yourself grace and you make the change so it doesn't happen again. Right. And for right. me, that was software. <laughs> I mean, I've had multiple different software since 2005, but, um, but yeah, I would never recommend trying to <laughs> operate this without one. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, good. I think we're back at the beginning here, Maris. I'll rotate around to a question for you. Where do you see your business five years from now? Ooh, I actually wrote down these goals a couple weeks ago. So <gasps> Ooh, they're fresh. 
Um, five years from now, and honestly, this is my two-year goal, um, being able to work my business from anywhere in the world. Um, I want to be able to schedule or honestly not do any of it, just be able to go somewhere and know that I have the layers in place to have it run on its own. Um, because I'm young, I'm, I turned 25 on Sunday and my fiance will be 30 here soon. And we don't have kids, don't really plan on it, but there's a lot that we want to go do and go see. Um, so we have plenty of time to do that. And obviously this business has to keep running no matter what. So, um, so yeah, five years from now, I want to be somewhere in Europe while my business is doing what it needs to do. <laughs> well, at that okay. point, are you going to start anything new? You know, I mean, I, I don't um, know that everybody knows that you do VA work, but yeah, um, I do virtual assistant work and I enjoy doing that too, but that kind of goes into the things like I can work from anywhere. Um, right. So that kind of plays into it. It's all of my goals, especially now that this is my first business that I've launched. I know going forward, any other things that we do, the systems will be in place right off the bat to ensure that we can keep doing that. Um, since we stopped doing boarding and daycare, Tyler really keeps talking about doing um, like a boarding facility type situation, which that there's a whole lot more that goes into that. And I don't know anything about that side of it, but he wants to stay in the animal industry and that's our thing anyway. So I'm sure that would be something at some point. Well, yeah. I mean, you two are like such a, a great match pair and to, to be able to have both of you pull in the cart the same direction is awesome. And of course, both of you being hit by the entrepreneurial bug, who knows what <laughs> is going to come out of that, right? You guys are going to challenge yeah. each other. Yeah. He will come up to me in like the middle of the night and be like, what if we did this? Like, that's just how his brain works. He's very numbers driven and I'm the reality part of it, I guess, where I'm like, yeah, but what about this, this, and this? And he's like, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Let me think about it a little bit more. So something else will come up at some point for sure. We're definitely two peas in a pod in that regard. Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. What about you, Jill? Five years from now, what do you see? Uh, five years from now, I know we discussed this on my first call with you. Um, I would like to um, see my business in someone else's hands. All right, um, exit. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the transition to dog walking and cat only will, it's already kind of given me um, a new fire, I guess, to keep going. I was kind of really getting burnt out and um, stressed a lot and I didn't want to not like my business. Um, so I think uh, either completely exiting or having those layers like Maris said um, so that I can be pretty hands off. Um, but I, I would be, I would like to be farther away from my business than I am now. I'll just say yeah. that. Well, good. So yeah, either, either layers or if the perfect opportunity comes along. I mean, yeah. we, we should all be running our businesses like we're going to exit soon. So that just completely transforms the way that you look at your business and the actual value of your business, because mm -hmm. the value isn't necessarily your bottom line. There's, there is so much more to that. And you right. know, if you can get all of that in place, then it is more valuable. But like you said, it, it's starting to evolve where it might just free you up that you can keep it and it'll right. be my passive income. Yeah. I'm all into semi passive income. Yes. That's amazing amazing. That's awesome. All right, Kimberly, how about you? Five years from now, 
<laughs> well, I don't have much of anything too different. I'm kind of in the same boat wanting to um, not necessarily exit, but definitely wanting to not be in the day-to-day business operations. So um, I, I don't know about Jill, but I know I don't have any management currently. Um, but that is my goal for within the next 12 months to have at least one or two, you know, people that help me manage the business. Um, and then another goal within the next five years is to get to that next income level that you're talking about that 250 to 500 range, hopefully, and just to step back. And, you know, if I want to go travel or if I want to just go off and do something for a weekend, I don't have to stress and worry about, you know, are my visits getting done? And I don't, I don't want to have to micromanage my people, which sometimes I still probably do a little too much of, um, so, yeah, so just starting to take those steps now, I actually um, am working with Maris as a VA. So she's going to help me get started on some of that. Um, but then, you know, eventually I want to work into having physical people, you know, to come in and, and do some of that work and be the backups to, um, you know, when somebody calls out or something like that. So just stepping back. I don't really think I want to sell my business. I like that, like you said, semi-passive income. Um you know, I'm, I'm in that Gen X area, like I mentioned earlier, and it's like, you know, retirement's on the horizon. So not in five years, but um, something that I'm working towards. So I would love to be able to keep this business on into my 60s, you know, and beyond if I can, um, as long as I have good people in place. So that's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I heard you say, okay, in five years, I want to be in that next, you know, revenue range. Yes. Uh, based off of the growth that you have right now, that's two years away. So, so set that, set that as a goal. Like that's, that's yeah. where you're going to be heading and then goal set and backtrack what you need to do to make that happen. Definitely. And then, you know, like, as you heard Mara say, since she's got that management level in there, like it'd be a lot easier if you had all of that, the SOPs written down first. So perfect. She's going to help me with that. <laughs> yeah. Perfect opportunity to start talking that stuff out and yes. sending it to Maris. <laughs> I've got all my field SOPs pretty much down, but she's going to help me with the admin stuff. Yeah. Um, getting all that down so that if, like you said early on in the conversation, if something does happen to me, you know, what's going to happen? We actually started sidetrack here, but we actually had a local pet sitter pass away unexpectedly. She was younger mm-hmm. than me. Um, wow. I think she was like, 50 and she just passed away unexpectedly and she had a couple employees and her family didn't want anything to do with the business and it just closed. I'm just like, right. Oh my gosh, you know? So like what would happen, you know, if that were me, I mean, nobody knows what I do in the background. So mm-hmm. I don't think I would close, but things would tr- change drastically. So yeah, definitely yeah, think about that. It's really, uh, yeah. It's developing that succession plan and, and having that set up mm-hmm. in your mind. Um, you know, and all the all the contingencies that go with it. You know, I realized because I'm in the a certification course to get my certified exit planning advisor certification, nice. and um, you know, that's one of the things that I'm really getting present to as I'm going through it is the the little things that I still do myself that I haven't shown anyone. Which most everything's handed off, but I do my own financials. Mm. I've Got it. I got a post-it note. You, you guys know how I am with my post-it notes over here, right? I got plenty of them up on my wall. They're surrounding my computer screens. And one of the new ones is to show my GM how I do, you know, my profit first financials that I use and how I do my allocations. And um, 
just those little things that I realize I still have in my head because I've just always done them and I've wanted to keep them. Well, that's, I, I want to make sure that if anything does happen to me, that my business continues to exist because of what it is for the community. Um, I don't want it to be something that's, you know, okay, well now let's just part it out. So it's been absolutely too much of my life for that. <laughs> yep. I love it. You guys have some big plans. This is really cool. I'm excited for all of you. So wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Hopefully everyone listening has been able to get some idea of, you know, some of the challenges that you have in this space. It's kind of cool. I didn't plan this out. I just, you know, have three people here that said they would be willing to do the podcast. And I mean, look at a lot of the similarities there. Um, nine employees, seven employees, seven employees. Um, you know, some of the transitions that are, are very similar and the, the challenges and the, the wins and the wish I would have. Um, it's just a lot that you go through in this kind of phase or even as you're growing into this phase because, you know, you're getting out of that. I'm everything for everyone. And you have to start, you know, realizing how to, how to delegate effectively, how to train your employees and, uh, you know, make sure that you're creating a consistent, repeatable business that serves your community and the pets well. So thank you guys. I appreciate you all so much. Thanks, Dean. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Biz Hive. You can follow me at Pet Biz Hive on both Facebook and Instagram and learn more at PetSitterGuru.com. What is your next best move?